Hi, this is Logos Legacy. I'm in, today I'm interviewing Dan Junkins and his wife, Jana. Dan Junkins is a storyteller and writer who emphasizes self-improvement, health, physically and mentally, alternative health and more from a spiritual perspective. Dan and his wife, Jana, healed from severe challenges to their health, which in Dan's case was leukemia and in Jana's case was multiple sclerosis. Dan would, not be, Dan would not be here to talk to us now if he had not found a wellspring of inner strength and vitality within, a place within that is deeply spiritual. This became the foundation of his life transformation, healing, and his book, Peacocks, Poison, and Leukemia, A Life of Vibrant Health. So, how are you doing? I'm great. Great. Thank you for that. I have a book as well, but. <laughs> well, know. you know, that's a great place to start. What's your book? That's perfect. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, it's called Enchanted Wellness, How to Go from Hating Disease to Loving It. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, if we've got a health problem, it might be tempted just to be kind of angry at the fact that we've got it, like it's a curse. Mm. Exactly. But what's uh, the effect on us of that mentality? This mm. causes more stress and um, more symptoms or just uh, more health problems, really. This is what it did for me. And how did you turn around your perspective? Hmm. Um... Well, I would, I would say that um, I did a, a transformational course that um, had me see uh, how I was being essentially and, and the things I was saying to myself and um, how I was reacting to MS and that I really hated it and um, just was, you know, so pissed, <laughs> pissed, <laughs> pissed that I had this disease and I was in my, you know, only 30 and how could I, how could this happen to me? I was really kind of being a victim and um, just blaming everybody else and everything else except for, and my body, and except for myself, <laughs> that I didn't have anything to do with it. So once I saw that I had something to do with it, then I was like, okay, I can take action and do different things. So that's... Um, that's how I started my healing journey, essentially. So, um, did you begin this journey before your husband, or did you take this journey together, or how did? And that... before, yeah, before, um, yeah, no, I was single when I had MS, and um, it was in it was in year two thousand um, when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and. Um, they told me I'd be in a wheelchair within 10 years. And I was like, oh my God. Like, um, and so then I decided to take my life by the bullhorns and um, I became a, a vegan triathlete and um, and really mindset guru. And I, I did meditation and visualization and um, I just kept doing multiple fitness things because I was scared of losing my physical ability. I had a timeline. I didn't know how to swim. Not a good idea to pick a triathlon, but that was the ultimate fitness thing I thought I could do. 
So, um, yeah, it was just a, I mean, just a series of events that I just really decided to, you know, take on my health fully as possible. And, um, and it all, it all worked eventually, not right away, but I did, um, I mean, I spent eight years on, on taking, doing the Western medicine route and taking drugs and poking myself with needles. And I was just getting worse and worse. And um, regardless of, of my fitness ability, you know, um, or doing my fitness event endeavors, um, but it was invisible and mostly. Um, so, um, yeah, I just pushed through. Like our cat is going a little crazy. So you can see him climbing in the background. <laughs> anyway, sorry right, to further interruption, yeah. but that's his gets King George. <laughs> <laughs> that's our cat. So he's in charge, is he? Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So So I guess that's the story of how you took charge of your life. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so um, when I met Dan, I was still sick with MS and um, had symptoms. And um, he even had a finished cooking dinner on one of our first dates. And uh, um, I, well, I was, while I was in this, I was in a, like a leadership program, which was a transformational course. And um, I had this, I had an MS attack during during this program, and I had a coach in the program. And I, um, I, I essentially, I was just going for a run one morning, and I fell over, put my tennis shoes on, and and um, I had complete dizziness and vertigo, and I I couldn't um, I couldn't function. So I called up my friend David, and I just said, David, you know, I have this MS attack, and I'm, it's complete vertigo. I can't do anything. I won't be able to lead the event tonight. And he's like, okay do you realize that you're the one who's causing this? And I was like, what? Uh, I have nothing to do with MS. It just happens to me. Hmm. And he's like, well, you're the one who's always there. And you're, what are you saying to yourself? And I realized it was just a bunch of negative self-talk in my head. Um, and uh, he just said, well, I just want you to consider, you know, thinking about what I said and then, you know, just, you know, take a nap and then, or whatever, just call me back later. And so um, I was just really exhausted. I really couldn't do anything. And so I did, I just took a nap and I, but I created before that, I looked at what he said, I really took it to heart. And I was like, okay, you know what? And maybe I, maybe my thoughts are impacting my body. And, and then I, I essentially created an intention Um for what I wanted to happen. And then a couple hours later, I woke up and the attack was gone. And I was like, holy crap. Wow. This must be what they call mind body medicine. So um, that's, I mean, it usually attacks lasted weeks to months at a time where I'd be com either not completely dizzy or, or not vertigo essentially, but I'd be, you know, dizzy and my head felt like a basketball and, and, um, I wasn't able to function really, really hardly at all. And um, so I just thought, wow, this is a complete miracle. Um, if, if I could do that just by altering my thoughts and being present to what I was saying to myself, then 
I, I can I can take on healing from MS. And so that's what I did. I, I did like a, my own healing program. Essentially, I went to a mind-body therapist at the Mind-Body Institute. Um, I did a... Um, I did a mind-body program, and um, a lot of that's really about stress reduction, but it's about gratitude. Um, and then uh, through the other transformational work I was doing, I, I worked on a lot of forgiveness of, of others, um, my father, and you know, for mental abuse, and my brother for sexual abuse, and so um, I just really worked on healing my relationships in my life. Um, and then getting more present to how I was being around MS. And um, through the visualization that I was really my own program, because the therapist I went to, she helped cancer patients heal from, well, cancer. They had tumors in their brain or their body, like, you know, golf ball to baseball size, and they shrunk them through visualization. And I was like, wow, can I do that? And she's like, of course. <laughs> so I was like, okay, why not? I'm going to do that too. So she gave me the belief that I could do it. So that's, um, that's what I did. So when I had an MRI three months later, because that's how they measure MS is through MRIs typically. And um, the lesions had shrunk in my brain. And the doctor was like, well, I wonder what you're doing, but keep doing it. And we're going to put you in a special study to figure out why you're doing so well. So um, that was the start of my healing journey. Were you being gifted um, in any way a sort of education about how to heal? Hmm. Did you say, have I been gifted? Did you say, or? Yes. Was that experience kind of an education about how to do healing? Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I mean, when I was first diagnosed, I mean, I was scared. And at the same time, I did, you know, get um, messages from, you could say, wherever I wasn't really sure <laughs> um, that I'd be okay and that I would get through it and I wouldn't be disabled. But, you know, of course, your mind goes, oh, that was just a thought, you know. Um, not a message. So, um, yes, I mean, yes, I would say yes. I, um, it was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of hard work essentially, um, of changing everything, my mindset to my lifestyle, diet, exercise, all that. But, um, the belief was one of the hugest factors um in all of it not just i mean reading not just the therapist stories but reading other people's stories of healing when against all odds when they weren't supposed to so i filled up my mind um with those kind of stories and so i would believe in it and then was really when i was in this uh transformational program is when i first time i really got that i loved myself and that i I needed to love the disease instead of hating it because the more I hated it, the worse it, worse it got. Um, so once that happened, it was it was kind of a, you know a release essentially. I think on my body 
that because I was I started to love myself and I started to love MS. I was like, oh, what do you? I'd start to get symptoms and be like, okay, so what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> and look at it as a you know like a awareness tool for my life. Going, okay, what am I stressed about? Is is that true or am I making that up? And or what are the things I'm saying to myself? Or is that true? No. And then I created a new reality to live into. Um, so it sounds a bit like you're not just talking, this healing, it's not just about the mind, it's about a relationship with the body. Yes, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the bo your body is just trying to talk to you and what what's going on? Is it, you know, environment, surrounding yourself with chemicals? I did grow up on a farm and used to spray, you know, bad sprays on, on yeah. you know, my friend and I thought it was fun to spray the purple roundup on each other, <laughs> you know, that kind of oh. thing. I know, right? So, <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, what's going on? Is it environmental stress? Is it life stress? Is it your nutritional stress? Is it, you know, what, what is your body trying to say to you? And are you listening? No, that kind of thing is the biggest. I wasn't listening for a long time, for a decade. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And, and um, yeah. Yeah, I guess that applies to a lot of things. Anyway, um, so Dan, you went through a journey of your own with your wife's help, with your wife's help about healing, right? And you, you had leukemia. So what's... What's your story of healing? Thank you for asking. Um, I, um, so Gianna was diagnosed in 2000. We met in 2005. I was a long distance runner. I was working for a contracting company as a general manager and sales manager and going along, doing my life, paying the bills and um, really watching Gianna's transformation um, into this triathlete who healed herself through mind-body work. And it was fascinating to be a partner to. Um, but I was also aware that I was not very happy in the job that I was in. It, it was not a job I was passionate about. My background is my family is, my mother is an artist and my father was a poet and an English professor. So I was surrounded by the arts growing up. And Really, what was there for me was I had this passion to be a writer, but I never thought I could be as good as my father or be an artist like my mother. So I kind of blunted that to just giving in and letting myself do jobs that paid bills, never thinking that I might do something that I'm passionate about that could also generate some kind of income. I was diagnosed in April of 2017 with acute myeloid leukemia. I'd spent a week with what I thought was just a really bad flu. Um, I did lose like 25 pounds in a week. Um, I wasn't eating. Um, I, was, I had a pretty high temperature of 104, but I just read in the newspaper that during that week that the city of Boston, which is where we both live um, in Massachusetts, uh, had said that they were dealing with another flu epidemic. So I just assumed that's what it was. Um, after about a week, I tried to go to work and I just was completely exhausted and 
to stay in bed again. And that was when Jana really pushed me to go see a doctor. So I did. And the doctor said, you are as white as a ghost. I want to test your blood. So I gave him a sample and then went home. And the next morning I felt refreshed. Why? I think that it had something to do with the fact that I'd gone to see a doctor thinking, okay, I feel better now. Um, White coat mentality. (laughs) Yeah, right. And the interesting thing is just before I walked out the door to go to work, uh, I received a call from the blood lab, from the head of the blood lab directly. And he said, are you Dan Junkins? I said, yes. And he said, you need to get to a hospital like now like right now, because I've never seen blood levels so low. So Jen and I went to the hospital and it was there that they shared with me that it appears I had leukemia and they wanted to- Acute. Acute leukemia. And so it was a total shock to the system. Um, I was stunned. There was no family history of blood cancers in my family. Um, So, It was at that point that they started to take many blood samples. And then in a couple of days, they recommended um, the strongest chemotherapy in the cancer world. Um, So it was like shock after shock after shock. But then one of the things that sort of started to shift for me almost immediately uh, was this recognition that as shocking as it was to be diagnosed with leukemia was that Jana had healed herself from multiple sclerosis. I mean, I was living with a partner that had done something extraordinary um, who hadn't had any symptoms for almost 10 years. So I had that sort of feeling like she had where she talks about how she said everything was going to work out. And I just had this sort of building feeling sensation experience of that everything was going to work out. And then the next thing that happened was similar to Jana was that I had this mantra that started coursing through my brain and wouldn't stop until finally my mother visited me in the hospital with this beautiful journal that I could start journaling. And I immediately grabbed a pen and wrote it down. And the mantra was, and I have no idea where it came from, but it was dive into uncertainty with courage and surround myself and everyone with love. That's so powerful. It really is. And I think that what profoundly impacted me was that it was almost that a moment of like my past with being surrounded by my dad's poetry and my mother's artistry, that it just kind of was so authentic and it just sort of bubbled up and came out and went down on paper that um, it was like a guiding it was like this guiding force that just kept me going forward since then. And it's been an inspiration. But what it did do also was had me see work that as human beings, I think we live as if it's just day to day, moment by moment, but not realizing that we are stories, walking, living, breathing stories. And that 
the powerful thing is to realize that is the recognition of that like in reality in real terms and that provoked me into um remembering coming across this amazing story about a peacocks now I had read about this story probably about seven or eight years earlier, but it just triggered me to want to go back and remember it. I, I was remembering bits and pieces. So fortunately, I had my laptop in the hospital the night before my chemotherapy was going to begin the next day, and I finally found it. And it was a description of the different paths, spiritual paths within the Hindu religion. And it talks about dealing with a poisonous plant as a metaphor if you're walking down the path of life and you come across a poisonous plant one way is for to just remove the plant and get rid of it just like you would remove a problem in your life and just resolve it or think you have um, that's just superficial it's like the next path talks about removing not just the plant but the root of the plant just like you would get to the root of a problem um, the third way was the way of doctors, where doctors could look at the poisonous plant and actually look at the poison as a way to convert to medicine. Um, but the final way was the way that really impacted me at a deep level, and it's the way of the peacock. And the peacock, I had no idea about this, uh, but peacocks eat kill and eat poisonous snakes and poisonous plants for sustenance, like dessert. And it provides them with the energy to create these beautiful, vibrant colors. So they eat and ingest the poison like it's food and sustenance in their life. And it was really profoundly moving for me, especially facing the chemotherapy the next morning and knowing how powerful and deadly it was. And I saw that the opportunity was to take it like the peacock as a metaphor. Um, and it shifted things. Um, it, I really lightened up quite a bit. It was like, I could, if Jana could handle this, I can handle this. So <laughs> I- You became um, a peacock. Though. I did. Um, <laughs> what was intriguing is, is that, you know, they always warn you about what's gonna happen to you when you take chemo. They talked about losing your hair. They talked about losing weight. They talked about losing your smell, losing your taste. And that for some people, it may never get back, come back. Um, I did lose my hair. I did um, experience a lot of fatigue. Those are the two major symptoms that I did um, experience. But during the chemo, I gained 25 pounds. <laughs> so did I. Feathers. <laughs> feathers right and then, of course, feathers, and then it was yeah. stress eating at mine that was time. beer <laughs> um but i um and it really kind of surprised them uh, i never lost my taste i never lost my smell um but it for me it was a reflection of just recognizing ourselves as stories um and i saw that as a potential for creating inspirational and stories of hope um, because I think that hope and inspiration are um, aspects of being human that if we can sort of delve into that space of hope and inspiration 
it kind of gives us an opening to see our own path to what I call our own inner healing core that we all share. We just have to discover that path and find our own way to it and realize it. Um, so that's the main reason why we're here with you today and to share this with others and give people that space. Why we wrote our books yeah. too. <laughs> it's an interesting partnership because it seems perhaps that you're you're coming at this in more of a i guess a poetic and not just poetic but that kind of angle yeah and um and it's just another form of healing and different ways of approaching it but it's it's definitely compatible and it's like a yin yang sort of thing isn't it mm. yeah yeah it is uh i find it intriguing that you know i was diagnosed and i think that sometimes as jana got to that space of not resisting her disease i i think i saw my my diagnosis as an opportunity to see well why why did that happen and, and maybe there's a reason why and i think the reason why was to really take on doing work that inspires me it could inspire others as opposed to doing something that just pays the bills or just survive, keeps you surviving on this planet, but to have it be something more than just that. Yeah. You know, what do you think of the idea of, some people say that you can transform a job that you don't like mm -hmm. by transforming mm -hmm. how you look at it so there's for some people they might want to do something they're truly passionate about for other people they might want to make transform well maybe if they experience their job as a poison they can turn that into something better so i guess it depends on one's life path maybe mm -hmm. yeah how you look at it that's a good great yeah great reminder you can that's transform. a great reminder so you know we chose our own way and others can actually flourish in a job that they may not consider. Um, and it, but just the I look at it. I look at anything is, is that's brilliant. I, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> thank that's you. really great. That's a great contribution. <laughs> you know, I heard about this guy who, he worked in an airport, one of these international airports in the toilets. He just cleaned toilets and he hated his job and one day he decided that there'd be the cleanest airport toilets in the whole world and he decided that you know it'd be absolutely excellent and i guess he fell in love with that idea and amazing wow that's what happened wow that's that's pretty cool that's <laughs> very inspiring <laughs> i love that that you know we can take the most meat what we would consider menial or you know, not great into something that it inspires and moves him. Is it actually the same thing, what you two did? Just a different way of doing yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That the stories of healing could actually relate to each and every day in some moment or every moment that we're living um, and seeing it as precious. Yeah, what can be great for me, that's where the gratitude comes from. And um, 
that's one of the keys in mind body medicine they have you look at what are you grateful for and then mm. about your life and then that then you can translate that to your to your body as well which is really powerful right so if you describe it as a whole kind of integrating what you've learned from each other i guess like what is the um how do you how do you heal and get in touch with yourself um in a holistic way mm. i would i mean i think it starts with mindset um and that's maybe that's one thing and how you're relating to your life or your condition or anything right and then belief do you have the belief in the other people's stories do you have belief in yourself and then um i would say loving yourself and loving your body or your disease and then what action can you take really that's that's um those are some of the steps i do have um um on my i mean so i'm doing a pre-launch for my my book, which is I'm launching in February 1st. And um, when people sign up for my pre-launch uh, news or e email, then they get four mindset hacks to improve your health. And those are some of the, the keys that I've shared on my, in my journey. Well, yeah, I think that Jana's pointing to something that um, I found intriguing is that there, one of the discoveries is seeing ourselves in whatever the situation might be, like for me, it was a lot of mental stress. And what I find is I've noticed mm -hmm. that it seems as if the majority of conditions or diseases or whatever diagnosis you might be going through or symptoms, that first and foremost is the recognition or discovery that our mind is usually racing or it's reacting or there's some kind of stress involved there that's going on. And I think that if we can find a quiet space, meditation is very powerful to sort of center ourselves to go separate from the mind, or at least discover that there is stress going on. Um, and I think that that's like the first little tiny discovery that can be very big for a lot of people. Mm. separating ourselves from the moment or the stress that we we are experiencing yeah i guess you need to hold space for it the disease or the suffering or whatever it is you, or you need to allow yourself to have a space where you can observe yourself otherwise mm. yeah my mother used to always say that she would make say this quote, which I know has been quoted before. It's just that an unexamined life is a life not not worth living. So um, I also she also gave me a book that I had never read before while I was in the hospital and going through chemo, which was um, Victor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning*, which was very very profound for me, just in the discovery of that creating meaning in our lives as opposed to waiting or searching for meaning. Um, and that meaning is a fundamental endeavor 
that we all are up to in our lives, distinct from other psychoanalysis, where I think Freud's was the understanding meaning was more about power or more about pleasure. But Frankel was really saying meaning in and of itself is the endeavor for most human beings. And I really see that having that as, as a place to start from really is very empowering for, for people to see. Yeah, I guess it can't be something out there. It has to be within us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, have you heard of the um, the hero's journey? I've heard of that. Yeah, I haven't read that, but I've heard of it too. So, if everything's a story, then there is something definitely. How do we tap into? how we're the writer and like the character at the same time and like how mm. do we tap into almost like the literary aspect of life as a healing or yeah. even method or even a compass mm. i think it's different for everybody. Um, you know, we've shared our stories today, but that's a great question to ask. Um, and I think that one way is, I mean, the way that worked for me was really surrounding myself with inspirational stories, left and right, and reading them, uh, listening to a daily song. It was actually another practice I took on when I was there, which was posting daily songs on my Facebook. Well, page. your friend started that. Right? I started it actually. Oh, and right. then he took oh, it. Oh, okay, got there. it. Okay. So, yeah. It, well, that's the story. That is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and then community is, is important too. Um, that was especially in, when I had MS. Um, I was involved in a lot of fundraising for MS, but the biggest communities I was involved in was, was biking because I used to bike uh, cycle and uh, raise money for MS that way. And I uh, even rode in the Swiss Alps, which was quite a journey. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the communities are really important because I remember when, I mean, at first for years I was quiet and didn't say a thing when I had MS and didn't even tell people because I was afraid I'd get fired from my job. Um, and then um, after I did some you know, transformation work, I realized I needed to be at, to share with people what was going on. So then I started like with just a group of friends, um, like when I was experiencing symptoms, I would just reach out and say, hey, I'm experiencing some bad symptoms. Would you please send me some healing vibes or things like that? And um, it seemed to work. It seemed to really help actually. Um, and um, anyway, I, I know the power of prayers is pro is proven in some aspects, but um, I think the communities are really important. And so when Dan was uh, in the hospital with chemo, um, I, I reached out to a, a few different communities that we were involved in and just kind of 
I did my own PR campaign because I was in PR and um, getting really getting everybody, um, you know, to come visit him, to cheer up his mood and things like that, just to um, be in communication with our community. So that was really powerful. And um, I mean, people came out in droves. I mean, I, I had a cleaning crew because they was like, your home needs to be as clean as a hospital. I was like, what? I can't do that by myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> so um and then a, a food crew or people helping out cook food because hospital food is definitely not very nutritious <laughs> so and i couldn't make all the food myself so um it was just you know like teams of people helping out in different ways and and uh visiting and um it was really powerful and dan shared on you know like mostly through facebook i guess back then but um just sharing and being open like what's going on with you and and how can your community support you and how can they help you? That's really powerful because it's so easy to just hide out and um, and pretend like everything's okay. And then, you know, no one will ask because you're not yeah. telling them. So, um, both your stories are very inspirational. And mm -hmm. Dan did mention inspiration. And I, I feel like asking, um, what is the the role and the power of inspiration? Mm. I think, and, and this may sound <clears throat> strange to some people, but I personally think that you have to find a place to love yourself. And I think that when one can really love yourself, you can really then love others. But it, really, it takes something to sort of get in that space and I think love and inspiration almost go hand in hand. Um, I know for me, Jana's outreach program uh, to, we actually tallied it up to 987 people. These are all the people <laughs> that we knew, had known, ever known in our lives, um, you know, including old classmates from my uh, it's probably story. more you know <laughs> i think i mean there probably is a but i mean that it was very overwhelming to sort of get the letters and the feedback and the support and the nurses and the doctors were phenomenal i mean it just it was a very empowering and positive environment and i think that it's a contextual conversation to get into that space most people find it that they don't want to talk about it. And there were a lot of people in the ward that I was in the hospital that just were reserved and didn't want to say anything. So I was kind of <clears throat> doing the opposite thing. And um, I think inspiration, I think um, it really gives you hope and, um, and whatever you're dealing with it. I mean, um, I mean, that's, that's missing when you're, especially when you're first diagnosed with any kind of condition, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, here, take this drug. Or do nothing. <laughs> they don't like tell you like, oh, you know, and then if they might say you're going to be disabled within 10 years or they might say something to you. And that's just in their protocol to, to say things like that. Whereas I've heard other people that are diagnosed and the doctor's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And they were fine. It was like, wow, that's amazing. So, I mean, but inspiration is it really gives people hope to you know, you give them the belief that they can do things themselves outside of, of what's, what's expected. 
in the normal world, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, I have a sense that perhaps love and inspiration lead to each other. Um, mm. You can find love through inspiration. You can find inspiration through love. Mm. Yes. Like, yeah, for example, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to write poetry and you're just like in a negative place mentally, like you're not going to get that inspiration. Um, but then again, if you, if certain things like give you, if you feel passionate about it, like if you follow that, you might, you might find you love yourself more. Do you think perhaps aligning with our inspiration is a loving act? I think it is. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That really resonated when you just said that. I've never heard that before, but it totally, I totally agree with that because in a way you're totally in sync. And I think that's an aspect about love that you find um, it is a loving act. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking recently that we all talk about the, the self-talk we have and whether, it, whether it's loving or not, or mm. their beliefs that we have, but, you know, but not like literally how we act. And is that like a loving action to yourself or not? Mm. I mean, with couples, if they can say, or they want, so someone can say like they love someone, but if they don't act like they do, <laughs> it says something, right? So if you relate with yourself, I guess it's the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 If you're being mean to you, your partner or if you're being mean to yourself, it's the one and the same. It's both abusive in, in some way, shape, or form. And your your mind is not your friend. Don't go in there alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> outside of meditation, that's a little different, you know, but have a mantra or something to focus on, right? At mm. least something for your breath or whatever form of meditation you use. But um, yeah, just be present to how you're being with yourself and with your family and friends and partners and yeah all all has an impact is it about listening mm. yeah that's yeah that's one part of it yeah listening to yourself listening to others i think that that act of listening can manifest in different modalities um mm. the the hospital actually was pretty forward thinking in some ways because they offered um, a volunteer service, which was uh, Reiki. Reiki volunteers who would come in and do Reiki twice a week. Um, and it was profound for me. I had done Reiki years earlier and I thought it was a bunch of hoo-hoo. I didn't think much of it. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but you know, they came in during my chemotherapy and it was absolutely profound. I think going into a quiet space and actually having somebody, you know, passing their hands over you um, and all of a sudden actually having a sensation that someone is there radiating energy. I think 
when you're in a different time and space, it can occur as something profound. Um, and it came at the right time um, for meditation or visualization. You had energy healers helping to Lots of energy healers. I just kept saying yes to people. And in the past, I would have been like, no, I don't need that. What do I need that for? Um, they all made a difference. All, made, all that did make a difference, yeah. Yeah. The Reiki was so good that I was raving about it to Janet, and she would come in. <laughs> it was free. I was, my Reiki, I was like, I'm getting it. it too. So they did it too. <laughs> also, stress relief, that's for sure. But yeah. I guess they wouldn't say no to that. They're, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't expect a Reiki practitioner to say no to it. So, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like I might make this um, interview a bit shorter than some I do, just because. I don't know. I'm just feeling at this vibe I'm getting that it's fantastic, but sometimes it's, um, I'm feeling like maybe we'll give it a few more minutes. So, um, sure. Is there anything you'd really like to emphasize to sort of sum up, um, healing, I suppose that you haven't addressed yet. I haven't addressed yet. Um, hmm. I mean, I didn't have, I mean, one thing I, I may mention it briefly, but um, the power of forgiveness and the power of gratitude, I would say. Because um, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when, especially if you've had trauma in your past, um, to forgive the your abuser um, is just so powerful. It, because your body's holding on to a lot of those those traumas. I mean, your body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk is a very powerful book um, that explains like how your your body just hangs on to stuff, you know, from your past. And um, uh, so, when you forgive somebody that might have harmed you, uh, it just releases things from your body that it just kind of goes. <sighs> how do we forgive because it seems simple we'd be like oh yeah i forgive this person but it's it seems not, easy to say it but how do we actually, it's easy to yeah. say it yeah. it's easy to say it but i mean it's continuous i would say um it's not just a one-time one and done okay i forgive you and then oh gosh i forgave him how come i'm still dealing with this with all this anger and hatred toward that person <laughs> no it's it's continuous it's um it, i mean verbal conversation helps the most if you can talk to the person and if you can't then a letter um you know some things like that you know whatever works but it's just continuous it's a it's a process i would say that you have to go through um but it, it really does help heal the body and then gratitude is is very powerful too. you know start a gratitude journal keep that every you know, night before you go to bed, so you have a clear, happy, subconscious brain, and you can sleep on, you know, gratitude, grateful things versus like, oh, I didn't do enough today, you know, that kind of thing. So it makes a difference. I think as Janet, you asked this question about um, how does one, anything that we might have overlooked that we want to share. I think when Janet was talking, I think for me, it's the real life, it's having people see that we are walking, talking, breathing, healing 
modalities ourselves. Um, mm. In and of that, we are we are healers. We are all healers all the time. Um, I know that you know the moment you cut yourself, your body is already healing. It's starting to heal immediately. And um, it's a phenomenon that I wasn't present to until my diagnosis and chemotherapy work. So for me, it's been a true gift to be given that recognition, to, to know that at the bottom level of our humanness is this inner healing that's constant. It's, it's happening daily and all that one needs to do is to first recognize that fact. And it, the recognition is gonna be unique and different for each person. For me, it took being diagnosed with leukemia. Um, for somebody else, it could be just walking down the street and realizing it. You know, um, it's, it's some is more dramatic than others. So why is it that healing is a key feature life um hmm. great question <laughs> i think it could be a whatever i give you now could be a different answer tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> um i think that right now the what's there for me is the key is that it's <clears throat> loving i think love is is uh is an aspect of, or it's not just an aspect, but it is healing and healing is love. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if everything's love and love is healing, then of course we would heal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to love ourselves. That's where it starts, That's right? It starts. <laughs> yeah. And we just have to know that, you know, whatever past things there are that we feel guilty or ashamed or feel angry or upset or irritation or drama about, it's, it starts here. It doesn't start in the past. It starts where we're at in our lives. Yeah, and on that note, I think we can finish this up. So, you know, it's great having you two on. Uh, lovely. Um, you both have a sort of lovely, vibrant energy. So uh, your cat has a vibrant energy too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this has been a real treat yeah, for thank us. You. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. And if, um, yeah, if you'd like some more mindset and health nuggets, uh, go to our websites. Uh, mine is janasholton.com and Dan's is danieljunkins.com. So... Yeah, so, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, just go ahead. We just have some giveaways at our websites that you can grab there. <laughs> All right, I'll put it in the description. Um, oh, okay. Okay, cool. So um, check that out. Um, and, um, well, without further ado, I suppose, thank you for listening, if you've got to this point, and uh, have a great day. So, uh, bye. <laughs>